This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Hey beauties, welcome to the show. I'm excited to dive in. I just want to tell you that yesterday was what is referred to as Blue Monday, meaning it is (laughs) the day of the year when the most sadness and depression is logged. I think it's the time of year. The holidays are over. It's dark. If you're in Vancouver, it is just be nonstop rain over here. I don't know what's going on. I don't mind the rain that much. But if you've been feeling it a little bit, I just wanted to let you know that that's what's going on. I'm also going to blame my mom move that I made yesterday on Blue Monday. It was pouring rain and late. So I told my kids I would pick them up from the lobby of where they had their activities and that I would go get the car and drive it up to them I mean, I I understand that this is probably coddling a little bit, but I didn't want them to have to go out in the pouring rain. Brooklyn was sick on the weekend. So anyways, I go get the car and I totally zone out, go off into some other land in my mind. I drive halfway home before realizing I have completely left the vicinity of where they are. They're seven and five years old and just... I don't know, blacked out or something. I mean, my husband calls me a whoosher, which means sometimes I take action before really being able to take a deep breath and think about things. Like, you know, I'll get up and I'll trip over the container of sequins that's sitting right there and sequins will fly everywhere. It's a joking matter. In this case, I mean, I actually left the kids behind and by the time I got there, they were totally fine. But like, where were you? Anywho, I'm just telling you this so that, you know, if you ever have those moments, (laughs) you can laugh about it and remember that you're not alone and that we all have these things that we do now and then where our mind is not attached to our body and we are living on some other planet. So yeah, reminder to take a deep breath and come into the present moment. (laughs) Oh God. Okay. In today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about my journey of not drinking, the adventure of not drinking. It has been just over two years now and I was sober. I don't even know if that word, if I relate to that word, but I hadn't had anything to drink for a year and a half other than one glass of champagne in Paris when Scott and I were there. In the fall, we went to a wedding in Mexico and I had a few drinks there, a couple margaritas, but like nothing crazy in compared to what I would normally drink. And then over the holidays, I had a few drinks. And so I found myself in this place of like, okay, well, I'm not not drinking anymore, but I'm also not wanting to go back to the space where it was just this social thing that I always did that was kind of expected. And it was this unconscious pattern that I was existing in. So I want to talk a little bit about that process and some realizations that I've had in going through that period of time. I also have a special guest joining me. Erica from Bungalow Blue is here. She's going to talk a little bit about her experience going through the Raw Beauty Reset. The Raw Beauty Reset is starting back on January 31st. I'm so pumped for this cohort. And I am so excited for all of the women who join in and participate. If you're like, what are you talking about, Erin? The Raw Beauty Food and Body Reset is my guided eight-week program that supports you in transforming your relationship with food and your body. It's based on four key pillars. We talk about nourishment. That is nourishing the mind, the body, and the soul, and the way that I really connect to nourishment is through a more intuitive eating approach. So we talk about intuitive eating, but nourishment really, 
you know, you kind of got to got to get in there to understand it fully, but it extends far beyond what we eat. We also talk about movement. We talk about mindset, how to build that empowered, confident, abundant-based mindset, and of course, self-love. The reset really takes you back to the fundamentals of wellness for your unique body, knowing that every single body out there is different. So what will work for you and your body is different than what works for her over there or that other person over there. I'll teach you how to eat intuitively. We'll work on creating healthy habits that are sustainable, and we really root into building an empowered mindset that supports long-term holistic health and well-being. So if you've had a challenging relationship with food, maybe you find yourself restricting or just overthinking it all the time, or maybe constantly overeating or even binge eating, then the Raw Beauty Reset is for you. I don't want you to struggle with this anymore because let me tell you, girl, there are so many amazing things waiting for you on the other side of all of this. When we're struggling with food and our body and it is taking up mental capacity, it seeps into every area of your life. And you know this. It affects how present you can be at home, with your family, with your friends. It impacts the way you show up for your job, your confidence, your inner dialogue. It impacts the way that you dress, like these smaller pieces of the puzzle start to feel more challenging. So I want you to break free from that because as someone who has spent time on either side, I promise you it's nicer over here. It is nicer on this side of the lake. Okay. If you are interested in the program, you can go to rawbeauty.co backslash food dash and dash body dash reset, or just go to rawbeauty.co, look under courses, and you'll find the information there. You can also find a link to all of that on my Instagram page. Just go to the profile, click on the little link, or send me a DM, and I'll hook you up, okay? This week, I am teaching some online trainings called Five Steps to End the Battle with Food and Your Body. This is a totally free workshop that you can come to to get a better understanding about the exact steps that you need to take in order to break free from the struggle with food and your body. The link is in the show notes for that. You can sign up if you're not able to make the times that I'm doing it live I will send you a replay, but to get that replay, you've got to sign up. So I've got your email address and I can send it to you. Okay, capiche? All right, let's dive in to today's episode. Oh, shoot, I forgot to tell you one more thing. I had a laser treatment on my face from Glodermal Therapy, and I just got to tell you about this for a second, okay? I need to tell you about this experience. I've written a blog post on it that really breaks everything down and shows before and after pictures. But since the people listening to this podcast are my VIP, I want to give you a little information about it while we're chatting here, okay? So I had never had a laser skin treatment before. I had had facials at Glodermal Therapy. I go and see Amanda and Erin. Actually, everyone on her team is really amazing. She has a small but mighty team of the most skilled practitioners. I swear I leave there every time feeling like 20 pounds lighter, so much more spiritually rested. (laughs) It's like going to this place where they just wrap you up and hold you and massage your face and rub nice creams on it. And for a moment, everything feels just heavenly. I was talking to her about my skin goals, evening out my skin tone a little bit, always looking for ways to (laughs) tighten and brighten, you could say, but really wanting to take more of a non-invasive approach. So I haven't had Botox for about a year and a half now, which means it has officially left the building. I have never tried filler, and it's not to say that I won't ever do these things again, but I'm just working on finding some acceptance around the aging process and wanting to care for my skin and to do like little tweaks to, as I said, brighten and tighten and even and things like that, but without changing who I am, if that makes sense. So this laser idea felt aligned to me. It felt good. I'd been hearing about the halo laser in particular from a lot of people. So halo is a fractional laser that has both ablative and non-ablative wavelengths of light to the skin. So the ablative ones are actually like creating these micro cuts in the skin, I believe. And 
while you have the treatment, it's not super painful, but it, there were a few spots that felt uncomfortable, kind of like an elastic being snapped against your skin. If you've ever had laser hair removal, it was less painful than that for sure, but a similar sensation. First of all, I had an in-depth consultation. They walked me through step-by-step what to expect. When I got there, they applied a topical anesthetic and we waited about 45 minutes so that my face could freeze a little bit. And then the treatment began and the entire treatment took about 30 minutes. So it wasn't super long. And I would say that my hands were sweating a little bit. It was not feeling as zen as my normal facial there, but it was totally bearable. Afterwards, once it was complete, there was quite a bit of heat. It was definitely feeling like giving vibes of I've stuck my head in an oven. Everybody experiences this differently. So I kept asking, like, is this normal? And they were very reassuring, you know, this is going to feel like this probably for an hour to an hour and a half, and then it will subside. So I got to blow my face with this, like, big vacuum thing. And then as soon as I got in the car, even though it was dark and rainy out, I rolled the windows down and was blasting the air conditioning, and that seemed to help. I proceeded to get home. I walked in circles around the island because I'm not going to lie, my anxious mind was panicking a bit. Is this normal? Is my whole face about to peel off? And then after an hour and a half... It completely subsided. The heat was gone. My face felt a little bit tender, but I was fine. I could breathe again. And Scott and the kids got home. And <laughs> I maybe hadn't told him I was going to do this. And he looked at me and was like, are you okay? What happened? And I was like, I'm totally fine. It was self-inflicted. I got a laser treatment. He is like, it is December 30th. He's like, we're going out tomorrow night. Like, are we canceling that? I was like, absolutely not. We're going to go. I'm going to hold my head high. (laughs) I'm just, it's our close friends. I'll tell everyone what happened. And I don't care. Anyways, so... The first night, there was a bit of tenderness, a bit of heat. I woke up the next morning. It looked like I had a severe sunburn and tons of freckles all over my face. The pigmentation had started to lift. And there are these things called men's that come to the surface of your skin. So it looks like you have all of these freckles. And it was so satisfying because I could see the pigmentation was lifting. And then with time, it starts to kind of slough off. So it was like that for a couple of days. And I went to the New Year's Eve party and everyone just told me that I looked like I had a tan, which was absolutely a lie, but they're very good friends. And I did not wear makeup. You you really can't wear makeup at this stage because you don't want to be like scrubbing at your face at all, or you can cause scarring. So you don't want to be washing makeup off. I don't know. I don't even understand how people could even think about putting makeup on at that stage. By day three, my skin felt super dry, very tight. And it started to get a little bit itchy. The itchiness wasn't unbearable by any means. I put on some cream that they'd given me and there was no pain at this point. I went back to my coaching calls on Zoom and my lovely (laughs) accepting clients, I just told them, like, here I am, no makeup, looking like I have an effing sunburn. And luckily the focus is on you. So hopefully I'll be back to looking like myself next week. And here's what happened, and we carried on. But I just want to highlight some people might not feel comfortable going back to work at that period of time. It wasn't until about day five or six that that redness started to subside and the men's had started to slough off. So day five, six, seven, there's like a lot of skin coming off. It was so hard not to pick it because I am a stage five picker. If there is something in my skin that I can pick, I am going to find it and I'm going to get it. Anyways, that was the hardest part for me. It wasn't painful, but like not touching my skin and knowing that it would scar if I did was challenging. I had to stay really mindful during those days, a lot of meditation. And then as it comes off, you're left with this like light pink baby skin. I was a bit worried that it was going to stay like that forever, but Amanda assured me that it would not. And a couple of days later, you're just left with this glowing skin. And What I would say is it's like you have removed 20 years of crud from your skin, like all of the makeup that never properly left, any roughness from the elements, anything that has been sitting on your skin, it just felt like all of that was removed. And I had this brighter, 
dewier complexion that was much more even. It does not take away every single spot. So there were some deeper pigmentation spots that it did not remove. Again, she said that's completely normal. It may work if I did it again a year from now or so. This is something you would do max once a year, but it also might just not be the right treatment for that. But in general, my overall complexion was a lot more even. I did not wake up on day nine looking like JLo. And so (laughs) my reminder to you is, is that We can do these tweaks and these treatments and try these things, some of which have big price tags on them, and yet you're still going to be uniquely you. So I think it's fair for us to want to do these little things and to try them out. I'm so curious about so many different things, whether it's types of therapy or whether it's different modalities that we can use in business or whether it's skincare, whatever it is. I'm so curious about it. And so it's okay to try these things and to do these things if they make you feel better. But at the core of it, You have to keep working on loving yourself, finding that voice of self-compassion, and recognizing that that is an inside job first, okay? So I'm not J-Lo. It's still Aaron here. Not mad about that, (laughs) although it would be nice to look like J-Lo. But my final feelings on this treatment was that I loved it. I will absolutely do it again. I think it's important to know the individuals who are doing the treatment. I wouldn't just go into any place and ask them to do something like this. I mean, the team at Glow was so thorough. They were checking in. They were taking me through the consultation call. They were making sure I had the right skin type to really receive results from this type of treatment. So if you're thinking that it's something that you would be interested in, I just recommend that you get a referral or really do your research before signing on. If there's anyone in the Lower Mainland or if you're ever in Vancouver, 100%, without a doubt, go see Amanda at Glow Dermal Therapy. Amanda actually didn't do my treatment. She's the owner of the business and she does do treatments, but you don't need her to do it. Her team is very well trained. Tell them that Aaron sent you and you'll get a free clear silk treatment. I hope you enjoyed going behind the scenes on my experience with this. It was so fun. I kind of am obsessed with it. And yeah, I'll definitely do it again in in a year or two years at some point. And I will probably not do it on December 30th or right before having a big event, but also, you know what? It all worked out in the end. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best 
friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at L-O-L-A-V-I-E.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Okay, let's shift gears here. Everybody take a deep breath. Let's talk about alcohol. I stopped drinking on January 4th, 2021, and I didn't have a single drink for about one and a half years. I didn't stop drinking because I had a problem with alcohol. I wasn't, like, I wouldn't call myself an alcoholic. I didn't drink out of a canteen, no, a flask in in the morning. I wasn't hiding alcohol. I definitely would open a bottle of wine sometimes on a Thursday night, just like, you know, wanting to take the edge off after parenting and after working and things. And what's so interesting is that that is a very societally normal thing. Like, oh, I need a glass of wine, right? We say that all of the time. There is a very socially acceptable amount of alcohol or way of being around alcohol that is just considered the norm. I also like the taste of wine. I enjoy it. I love a margarita. Can't say I love shots or like vodka straight out of the bottle like I did in my early 20s. I don't know if I actually ever really liked it like that. We just took shots at bars, you know. But I enjoy some kinds of alcohol, and I also loved that it just helped me feel a little bit more relaxed, especially as a person who has anxiety and anxious tendencies and a busy mind that is going in a million directions. It just sort of was a deep breath and helped me settle in. But what I found was that the next day, or sometimes even a couple hours after drinking, my anxiety would come back and it would be even worse. My mind would start running in a million different directions. It felt hard to sit still. I just felt unsettled in my skin. My husband and I used to joke that I would get what is called the fear. So the fear was when I would start to feel like, You know, I wasn't able to get to everything on my to-do list, like I needed to solve this problem and that problem. I would start thinking about what I'd said the night before, even if what I'd said wasn't bad. It was just this pattern of ruminating and feeling unsettled in my body. In late 2020, early 2021, I was having a very tough time with my anxiety. I had started having panic attacks again. I was in a pretty dark place and I was looking at all the things in my life that I could do that would help support my nervous system, that would help me regulate my nervous system. And I believe that year, because I always pick a word at the beginning of the year, I believe my word was calm. And so I began looking at all of the things that moved me away from this feeling of calm and alcohol came into the picture. So I decided I'll do a month with no alcohol and I'll just see how I feel, see if that makes a difference. You know, even when I was drinking because of my anxiety, I wasn't drinking a lot. Like the most I would have on a big night out would be four or five drinks and that would send me into a spiral. So Most of the time I was having just a couple of drinks, but even then I wouldn't feel my best after. So I did the month of not drinking and I definitely felt more ease and I just loved the fact that the fear wasn't coming into play. So I decided I would do another month. Scott had also decided to do it with me as well. He wanted to do the month off and he was doing some training for a triathlon that he was doing So he just wanted to see if it would help elevate his training. He also has Crohn's and alcohol can be really tough in regards to causing inflammation in the body. And so Crohn's, which is inflammation of the intestine, it just wasn't adding up. Like it wasn't supportive of his body either. So he decided to take a break too. And after we'd gone through a couple months, his competitive nature kicked in, not with me, but just with himself. And he set this goal of doing it for a year. 
I remained just doing it on a month-to-month basis based on what I was feeling. It ultimately led to a year without alcohol. And I shared about this experience in a podcast that I did last year around the same time. So I'll link to that podcast down below so that you can find it easily. You may wish to push pause on this now and go and listen to that and then pick this one up afterwards if you haven't already heard that one, okay? The main things that I took from that time were that I didn't actually need alcohol in order to feel like myself. I didn't need it in order to have fun. In fact, a lot of my friends (laughs) say, and I don't know if this is a compliment, (laughs) (laughs) that I often seem like the drunkest person at the party or event, even though I'm sober. I've really learned how to let go and just be myself. And I'm a bit of a wild dancer. And so I get going on the dance floor and I'm just having a great time. Of course, this depends who I'm with and the environment that I'm in. But I learned that I could be myself and that I could still have fun and find joy in different situations without alcohol. And then I could wake up the next morning and feel a hundred percent. I could, you know, write a podcast episode if I needed to. I can parent really well. I could go for a run. I could meditate and be clear. And that to me just felt so incredible. Like getting the mornings back on a weekend, oh, priceless. So that was one of the biggest things that I learned. And You know, that first year, you're just experiencing so many firsts. Your first trip without alcohol, your first date night without alcohol, your first friend's birthday without alcohol, your first time where you're really craving it, where you really need something to take the edge off, and you don't have that tool anymore as an option. So I learned other tools that could support me in regulating my nervous system and finding ease and learning how to take those deep breaths in moments that felt a bit chaotic. A couple of reasons why I continued not to drink after those first few months, I noticed a bit more clarity in regards to the way that I was thinking. It had really felt like there was just this huge fog in my mind. My memory recall was struggling. All of these are symptoms of anxiety too. I was working super hard on mindfulness and being present. So that was improving, but it just felt like alcohol would remove me from being present again. So it was kind of like counteracting everything that I was doing on the other side of things. I became obsessed with supporting my brain and wanting a healthy, regulated brain. I knew that alcohol wasn't supportive of my gut as well, which is known as the second brain. And so I was working to really build a healthy microbiome in my gut and alcohol just strips all of that back, kills it all. So again, it was like undoing all of these positive things that I was working on on the side. I also wanted to regulate my nervous system to help with the anxiety. And we know from the research that alcohol just doesn't support that either. So there were a lot of different reasons. When I did more research on what alcohol is, I came to understand that it is fermented grains, fruits, and vegetables, but part of it is made up of ethanol. Ethanol is the same thing that we put in cars. It is a toxin to the body, which is why it results in the body feeling the way that it feels, especially once the alcohol leaves the system. It's poisoned us. So all of this just started to feel out of alignment. And as you step back, you realize how deeply intertwined our society and our culture is with alcohol, how it is just something that is considered to be normal. And yet when you really step back, you're like, how is this normal? Is this like the new age smoking? Like there used to be people who would smoke and thought it was normal, healthy, okay for the body. Now we know the complete opposite is true. Like are we living in a world where we have been tricked to believe that this is actually good for us? Because I remember reading articles saying that like a glass of wine a day is good for you. I don't know, you guys. I don't know. I think we really have to question this. I think we really have to step back and look at the patterns that we are living in, the norms that exist, and whether they're actually serving us in the way that we're, you know, using them right now. 
So when you stop drinking and you remove yourself from those patterns and you step back for a moment, you kind of look in and you're like, wait, what is everyone doing? Not from a judgmental place, but it's just this awareness that comes in and you can't unsee it. Scott often says alcohol is super low tech. He's like, you drink and you get one effect. It affects everybody the same, but everybody's body is different. So everyone metabolizes it in a different way. But you can't tweak the amount of alcohol that is in, you know, said drink that's served to you. You can't, like weed or marijuana, you can take something that's going to chill you out. You can take something that's going to make you more hyper, full disclosure. I don't find that I can really do that stuff because it also makes me anxious. But there's just so many different types of ways to get that high or whatever that are more sophisticated at this point. Anywho, that's a whole nother conversation. I'm not suggesting you stop drinking and start smoking a bunch of weed. That is not what I'm saying right now. I'm just saying that there are a lot of options and that that may be something that actually supports your body in a different way versus poisoning your body. Okay. It doesn't work for me, but I know it does work really well for a lot of people. Normal feelings that you may experience when you stop drinking. Some of these I experienced and some of them now as I'm working with individuals who, you know, on the side of the work that we're doing with food and body image that they're thinking they want to take a break from alcohol. So they start down this path. This is not something that I push to anybody. This is coming from people who have either heard my story or seen a lot more people who are getting sober because let me tell you a lot of like very high achievers, very wellness-focused individuals have stopped drinking at this point. Like, I can't tell you how many people I know who are getting sober and or really reducing their alcohol intake. It is astonishing. Even the other day, I was listening to Gary Vee, whose success and so much of his family's wealth has been built on the liquor industry he said that he feels like one of the next big industries and big opportunities in business is the mocktail space. He's like, I don't want to say this and don't let my dad hear me talking about this, but mocktails is going to be a huge arena because the younger generation are waking up. They're waking up and they're saying like, why are our parents doing this? This is ridiculous. This doesn't even make sense. And they're shifting away from alcohol. So back to some things that you may feel or experience when you stop drinking. First of all, you're taking away something that kind of numbs you out or takes the edge off. So it's very normal to actually experience heightened anxiety or depression if that's there, right? A lot of people who are experiencing anxiety or depression drink to take that away. So when we remove the drinking, those things are still there for us to navigate and deal with. This can feel really hard. And sticky, it's like we're in the middle of the mud now and we've actually got to deal with this stuff. But I promise you the there are so many tools and much more supportive ways of navigating mental health rather than alcohol. Alcohol just takes you deeper and deeper into that space and then you need more and more alcohol in order to deal with it. So please, you know, if you're going down this path and you're a couple weeks sober, you haven't, you know, had drinks for a little bit and you're noticing your mental health is suffering, speak to a doctor, go check in with somebody, have your heart rate monitored, your um, blood pressure taken, and just talk to somebody about how you're feeling so that there's somebody who's helping you monitor this and helping you navigate different ways of moving out of it. Okay. There's lots of strategies Lots of strategies for supporting anxiety. I could write a book on it, made a whole course on it. Send me a DM. I'll, I'll hook you up with some ideas, okay? But you can get through it and you don't need alcohol to do that. Some people feel a bit unsure as to who they are because so much of their identity is tied up in going for a drink or holidaying with drinks or you know, going on dates and needing to drink in order to feel loose or, or in order to feel like their guard is down. So it can feel like the rug has been pulled out from under you or that you can't find your grounding. That's normal. You will find yourself without alcohol. I promise. You may feel a little socially unsettled 
or very socially unsettled as you navigate new ways of being around people and probably being around people who are still existing in these patterns of using alcohol themselves, right? So no judgment towards those people because we've both been there and we've both done it, but recognizing that it can stir up our own insecurities around the choices that we're making because it's different than what everybody else is doing. And as I say in almost every single episode, one of our greatest needs as human beings is to belong, is to be liked, is to be accepted by others. So when we choose a different path, it can feel a little bit scary. But what I've noticed is that the right people are so supportive of you making the right choice for yourself. And sometimes they'll even decide to try it too. You know, you might be the leader in this situation that is uh, presenting a different way of being, okay? So you've just got to trust in doing what is right for you and trust that the right people will stay connected and that they will support you, they will learn from you, and it will just bring more conscious awareness to all of those around you, including yourself. Another very common feeling is a lack of trust that you can do it. And of course, self-doubt is going to come up. You're trying something new. You're pushing outside of the comfort zone. Of course, those little voices are going to say you can't actually do this and you can't actually stick to it. So we can just notice those without judgment. Oh, there's that self-doubt popping up again. Yeah, we're moving out of the comfort zone. This is hard. This is unknown. You know, it feels much safer to go back to that pattern that we've been existing in for a long time. And then we take it moment by moment, day by day. And you know what builds trust? Is doing the thing. It's something that is earned. And so moment to moment, day to day, you'll earn that trust. And if you slip or you fall, that's okay. We all slip and fall when we're trying new things. Most people don't learn to ride a bike and nail it the first time. They fall, they skin their knee, it's uncomfortable, they question whether they can do it again, they try again, they wobble, they fall again, they get back up, and eventually there's ease around it. Eventually, they don't have to think about what they're doing so much. Eventually, they can sing a song or look around. Some people even take their hands off of the the handlebars, and yeah, it becomes easier. So having so much self-compassion for yourself as you're learning a new way of being, recognizing that trust is something that we build over time and that you don't have to do this perfectly, okay? So some tips to help you stick with it. I found that it was so much easier when I was just not drinking. When I just set a clear line, drew a clear line in the sand, I am not drinking right now. That actually felt a lot easier for me because it cut out any back and forth dialogue that was happening in my head of like, should I? How much am I having? What am I going to say to that person? Should I do it this weekend? Should I not? Like all of that was just gone. I'm a big believer that there's not a lot of black and white in the world. There's a lot of rainbow and a lot of gray space. But in this area, I know for myself, black and white felt safer, it felt more clean, and it brought a greater sense of ease. So you've got to check in with yourself and notice what feels best for you in this situation. Okay, so having that guideline felt good for me. Then I needed to replace the action of drinking alcohol with something else because our habits can't be erased, but they can be replaced. And so what do you replace alcohol with? Well, In most cases, having something yummy to drink is a good start. I continue drinking out of a wine glass, like water and sparkly drinks and all of these things out of a wine glass because it felt like a ritual or celebratory at the end of the day. Some people find that triggering. So again, noticing what works for you. If you need to put the wine glasses away and take all the alcohol out of your house, then take that step by all means. You do you and you know you. So I would have water in a wine glass, sparkling stuff in a wine glass. I'd put in lemon, lime, whatever it was. Mocktails, I'll include a link to the blog that has some mocktail recipes on it. I also started drinking non-alcoholic beer, even though I didn't even like beer before. Peroni and Heineken Zero are my two favorites. 
And there are just so many different mocktail brands out there right now. I found that I didn't love the non-alcoholic wines except for one that is called Tost, T-O-S-T. But even that tastes more like an adult sparkling juice. It's um, made out of a white tea with kind of juicy notes to it. (laughs) Terrible description. But I really enjoy that. It feels special. I think it has a little bit of caffeine in it too. So like at night, sometimes when you're feeling tired and if you have to go to a dinner or something, bring some of that and it will give you a little bump to get you, keep you awake. And it also tastes nice. And then when your wine glass is full, nobody asks you what you're, what you want to drink or, you know, it helps other people feel settled around you. So having something to replace alcohol with, I also really dove into meditation. Last year I meditated more than I ever have. I actually did my meditation teacher training, which was really exciting. And so I found a tool that supported me in feeling more regulated in feeling more mindful and feeling more present in navigating times of stress. And I really leaned into that. So I have an intro to meditation workshop that I do. Stay tuned. Make sure you're on the newsletter list. If you're interested in diving into meditation, there's also so many incredible apps. I love Insight Timer, but there's also Calm. Headspace is another one that I used when I just started meditating. But I think I'd probably recommend Insight Timer to anybody who's just beginning And Sarah Blondin is an amazing meditation teacher, and so is Michelle Campbellis. So Michelle also offers a Monday meditation workshop that you can do every Monday evening at 7 p.m. PST, and that's over Zoom. So you could do it from anywhere in the world. So use this time as an opportunity to dive into other tools that can support you with the big feelings that we sometimes use alcohol to quell. Okay, so what I've noticed with the gray area and opening the door to alcohol again is just that it puts you back in this place of constantly having to make a choice in a world where drinking is popping up everywhere. You're constantly having to check in with yourself to see if you need it, want it, how is it going to impact you later on. And then I find, because I'm not somebody who's drinking by myself, if I decide not to do it in that moment, I have to re-explain why I'm choosing not to do it, you know, at, at that specific time, even though I did drink the weekend before, it just starts to feel like more work. So to be honest, I'm back in a place where I am not drinking. It just feels easier for me than it did all of December when I was kind of like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I also hate the feeling of being hungover now. Like I just can't stand it. I have no time for it. I'm so aware of what's happening in my mind and in my body. And I'm just so annoyed (laughs) with myself (laughs) when I'm in that space. And that happens to me now after having two or three drinks. So it's just not worth it. If I'm feeling in a moment, you know, over the next year, like I just want to have that one glass of red wine, I want the taste, I want, I don't know, I don't even know what I could want so badly from that one glass of wine. Will I allow myself to have it? Maybe. But generally, I'm just not drinking again. That's where I'm at. It's like basically a no. We have a trip coming up in June to Ibiza. We're having our first raw beauty self-care retreat in September. And so I, I won't be drinking at these things. Going to Ibiza and not drinking and staying sober is going to be interesting. But I also feel like I'm going to be so high on life and the music and all of that. And then when I'm done with that scene... I'll go home and take a nap and sit by the pool and do a meditation and I'll have probably the best of both worlds. I'll also come home feeling totally refueled, like just so spiritually rested on so many levels and I'm excited for that as well. So I would love to hear your intentions around alcohol and what you are taking away from this episode, either in the comments down below or even better if you could come find me on Instagram and send me a DM and let me know what where you're at with alcohol. Like, are you sober-ish? Are you sober? Are you sober curious? This term keeps coming up again and again. 
Or are you like, no, I love my wine. I love my margaritas and I'm sticking with it. I might be a bit more mindful around it, but you know, in general, the boost stays, which is also totally fine. Everybody is different. Everybody's experience is different. And what I'm about is figuring out what works for you and your unique body. And you are the only one who can know what is going to be best for you. So maybe taking a moment to journal about your thoughts or whatever's coming up for you right now as you listen to this. Perhaps you bring it into a conversation that you have with friends or a significant other, or maybe you decide to take a break from alcohol for a minute. Take whatever resonates with you and leave the rest behind. If you feel called to, I would be so grateful if you were to share this episode with somebody else, and maybe we can all together get the conversation about alcohol becoming a little bit more mainstream. Maybe we can all just become a little bit more conscious about how it's impacting us and the role it plays in our society and our lives moving forward. I have loved having this conversation with you. I do not claim to have any of the answers around any of this, but I will continue to let you know how my alcohol adventure unfolds. Now, I'm really excited to have one of the Raw Beauty Talks podcast listeners, Erica from Bungalow Blue, join me for a little segment. We're going to talk about a couple of the biggest aha moments she had while taking the Raw Beauty Reset. She messaged me saying she had a life-changing experience and that there are a couple of things that she wanted to share with everybody else. So excited to invite Erica on. Erica, thank you so much for being here. Hi. Erica is amazing. You have your own company. Yeah. Yeah. So I own a a brand called Bungalow Blue Collection and we do accessories. So mostly hair accessories, but we're moving into bags and eventually we're going to be moving into home decor as well. So amazing. Yeah. Your stuff is so cute. I was just on the Instagram page. Oh, thank you. We link to it below. Is it at Bungalow Blue? At Bungalow Blue Collection. Yes. So Erica went, reached out or just put up her hand basically. And you said that you had a great experience with the reset. And there were a couple of key takeaways that you would love to be able to share with people and, you know, that we could talk about now. I'm curious, first of all, why did you sign up for the reset? So I signed up for the reset. I forget, you know, how I found you was through Caitlin Bristow. That's how okay. I saw because I follow her. And I just thought, I'm like, you know what? I need something different. I felt like, not that I had an unhealthy relationship with food, but definitely with dieting. And I looked at my husband one day, I said, I am so sick of dieting. I'm 38. I am so done. I'm sick of it. I said, I need something else. Like I need, I need to shift and refocus. And I wasn't really sure what that was. And so I saw Caitlin had a post, I think it was, I think it was a story and I think you were in it with her. And then I went on your page. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go on a whim and I'm going to try this out. And I just, I knew I needed something else. And the universe was telling me I needed something else. And I'm so glad that I found you. But yeah, I'm so glad you did too. And isn't it amazing that when we ask for help, sometimes or state out loud what it is that we desire, all of a sudden, exactly what we need or what we're looking for appears in some way, shape or form. Yes, like right in front of us. I'm obsessed with this story. So you landed in the Robbie Reset, kind of like, what is this thing I just signed up for? (laughs) And I would love to hear, I always ask at the end of all of our calls and throughout the video components of the reset, you know, what's your takeaway or your aha moment that you're going to carry with you from this? Because we have a lot of things and usually uh, there are a lot of things that get stirred up for people. So I'd love to hear what your, one of your aha moments was from the reset. The biggest, honest to God, the biggest thing for me was listening to your body. You said something that was so simple in one of the calls. When you have a headache, don't just run and take Advil. Listen to what your body needs. I'm like, oh my God, I'm that person that just, I have a headache. I need to run and take Advil. It's more so, am I dehydrated? And so when you said that, I was, and then everything else from the reset, it just made me really think about 
what I was putting into my body and how it was making me feel. And I thought I was aware of what I was, how I was fueling myself. And, but I really and truly wasn't like, I wasn't aware of how protein really affects me and how I need protein at almost every meal and a little bit at snacks. And that was such the biggest takeaway for me. And now I truly, it's come to the point now where I know when I feel like I need fresh air. You're so and much more connected to your body and all. Oh of my God. I'm so much. Yes. So much more connected to my body and just my mind. And honestly, like my soul and my wellness and yeah, just having more understanding mm. around it. Yeah. It was such a huge paradigm shift for me to when I originally learned it, because I think as women, especially we are taught to ignore the signals of our body or that they're wrong or that we don't know what we need. And so we get so used to looking outward and to external things to teach us when we should eat and what we should be passionate about and how long we should be sleeping each night. (laughs) What type of exercise we should be doing for our body. Yes. So we start like tuning out all of the cues and all of the intelligence and wisdom Mm -hmm. of the body. Mm -hmm. We can also fear the signals of the body. Like we fear Mm -hmm. and fear hunger, for example. Yes. Am I hungry again? There's something wrong with me. And so with practice, when we start tuning into those things, we begin to understand that they're actually there for us. Mm -hmm. They're not fighting against us. Our body Mm -hmm. is on our team and we can listen to it. And when we listen to it, you know, we actually start working with our body, our body that wants to thrive, that wants to heal, that wants to feel good. So you mentioned that you noticed as you tuned into the food piece of things that protein is something that feels good for your body. Was there anything interesting that you noticed that you were putting in your body or doing that was actually not resonating with your body? Honestly, eating too late. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I have two young sons and, you know, my husband and I will sometimes eat later. I'm like, I can't do this. Like I can't eat late at night. I wake up, I feel lousy. Those little tiny shifts that not balancing my meals, right? You know, you talked a lot about that, like having a really good balance. And I wasn't doing that before. I thought I was, but I truly, I wasn't. It made such a difference in my food consumption, in my health and overall, how I felt if I had a balanced meal. Mm. And what you said before was like, perfect. You're trying to find this perfect fix, this cure all for everything. And it's like, what diet can I go on? Is it, oh my God, years ago, like South beach and (laughs) Weight Watchers. Oh my God. I've done so many. And it's, what is the new fix? And like you said, you're not, you don't realize that your body is actually going to guide you. Yeah. So when I found at the same time that I found the reset, I dove into Pilates as well. And I just found that it, that just aligns me even more. And like you said, it's like, oh my God, should you be doing CrossFit? Should you be doing HIIT workouts, bar workouts? Like, I feel like so many of us who have lived in this space of really watching what we were eating and like working hard at the gym have as your relationship with your body and food starts to shift into something that's more intuitive, I hear so many people landing at like walking. I crave walking. I crave Pilates. I crave yoga and these much more gentle forms of movement. Because you're not annoyed by them. They're not annoying, right? Like you're not (laughs) like sweating and feeling like you're going to be sick, you know, mid Pilates class. No, yeah, but they're so supportive of our nervous system, which a lot of people are really needing right now, especially Mm -hmm. after the last three years. Mm -hmm. And it's a form of movement. We've just been taught that it's not good enough, not hard enough, that if you're not sweating, your fat's not crying. And it's all these these crazy things that we've been taught. I feel like I went swinging in the direction of so many forms of gentle movement Mm. for like a decade after healing my eating disorders and disordered eating and all the things. So, okay, cool. So listening to your body, 
I want to state I am totally down with people taking Advil for headaches or periods, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I still do. I still do. But I try to, you know, feel if I, did I have too much wine last night? Am I dehydrated? Yes. It's just taking that moment of pause. Yes. Consider what is the root of this pain or this discomfort or this craving that I'm experiencing? It's the same as that pause that we talk about in the reset, where when you go into the kitchen, you pause for a moment and you're like, why am I here right now? (laughs) Am I actually physically hungry? Yeah. Am I stressed, bored, tired, whatever? I mean, a million different emotional reasons why we go to the kitchen to eat. Yeah. So it's that sacred pause, that moment to just ask, why am I doing this repetitive behavior that I automatically do and waking up, bringing a little bit of consciousness to the table and then going from there? Yeah. yeah. So you're, I'm hearing that you feel like you're eating a bit more balanced now going on a diet in January. What's I am not. No, <laughs> you can fly to Ontario and find me and <laughs> just like, even if you decided to go on one then I would still love and adore you it's it's just that once you see so clearly what that cycle is yeah even if it feels enticing sometimes yeah you can because there are these solutions that seemingly provide the answer to everything right like just get skinny and life will be easy yeah once you really start to understand that cycle then Mm -hmm. I hate this term, but like you're woke to it. You can't unsee it. You No, it's so true. Like you can't, even this most simple thing of eating within an hour of waking up in the morning, yeah. trying to do that. I never did that. Oh my God. Like never. It would be sometimes 11 AM and then I would be going to eat. And I didn't realize how that was affecting me throughout the entire day until yeah. I went to bed. And the difference that it makes, I'm trying to get my husband onto doing it as well. He's definitely like a late eater. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get him onto it, but because you were talking about in the reset about blood sugar and balancing it out for yourself in the morning. And our eight-year-old son um, has type one diabetes and he was diagnosed a year and a half ago. So we spend 24 hours a day managing his blood sugar. You know yeah. this intimately. We know this like food, like the back of our hand. And we're spending so 24 hours a day managing his blood sugar and not even realizing that we should be doing this for ourselves. Right. And not another thing to become obsessive about, obviously with diabetes, you have to track yeah. and watch so carefully Yeah. for um, people who aren't diabetic or don't have that piece there. It's not another thing. Like I'm starting to see people are measuring their blood sugar levels every hour. No, 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 no. You're not doing that, but you can feel it in your body when you're, Oh my gosh. If you're not having a balanced breakfast, how that actually makes you feel later in the day, rather than maybe having, you know, some Greek yogurt and berries and flaxseed or whatever, and how that just the difference. Yes. Yeah. And there is a difference and we still have the chocolate chip muffin some days, but we just ultimately we start to be the more aware we become of how that feels in our body, the less inclined we are to do it every single day. Yeah. Or to just only eat that one type of food. We start to like, what I always love is the moment in the reset when people are like, I was craving vegetables, yeah. craving fruit. I never thought that that would actually be it's so true. I never so understood true. people who, who would order a salad and say, that's like what they actually wanted. Yeah. But it, yeah, I mean, it's so true. Cause you're listening to your body more. Yeah. Your body is actually telling you it's been telling me my 38 years of life, but I'm just listening to it now. <laughs> Oh, so good. I absolutely love it. Thank you for sharing that with all of us. Go check out Erica's work at Bungalow Blue Collection. Thank you so much for coming on. And it was just so nice to get a little one-on-one time with you. I can't wait to have your voice shared on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think I'm going to do this more often. I absolutely love talking to you. If you're listening to this and you have a question, whether it's about alcohol or body image, negative self-talk, food, how to eat, 
parenting, relationships, anything at all, and you would like to ask it on the show, please send me a DM on Instagram at Raw Beauty Talks. I would love to have more of you coming on so that I can hear your voices and that we can connect. We can do mini coaching sessions or just jam on a topic together. So hit me up, let me know what you want to talk about, and we'll go from there. If you're interested in the Raw Beauty Reset, we kickstart things on January 31st. Head to rawbeauty.co to get all of the information, and I hope to see some of you there. We're going to have an absolute blast If 2023 is the year you change your relationship to food and your body and kick overeating and restricting and binge eating to the curb, I'm your girl. I got you. All right, everyone. I'll see you next week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember... It's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.